Well, this morning I want to be talking to you about unity in diversity. You know, unity does not come any other way except by the cross, except through the blood of Jesus. And we are the most, the church is the most diverse organization on the planet. Did you know that? There are places that I've been. Uh, we recently made a trip to India and we're able to um, uh, go over there with uh, Brother David Cuppet and um, minister in some churches over there. Totally different. Uh, totally unique. Same spirit. Same God. You can go across town and you can experience a totally different form of worship than what you'll experience in here. Same spirit, same God. God is a God of diversity. Let's turn to John 17 verse 11 and we'll get started. Chris gave me a joke. I'm trying to decide whether or not to open with it. Okay. Um, you convinced me. You know the difference between an alligator and a crocodile? <laughs> one you see later, one you see after a while. <clears throat> Thank you, Chris. That, all that's for you. <laughs> that one's for you too. Okay. Let's read John 17, 11. It says this, Now I am departing from the world. This is Jesus that is praying. You know, when Jesus prays, we should probably pay attention. And we'll talk about why in a minute. He said, Now I'm departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I'm coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. Let me ask you a question. Is it possible for Jesus to ask God for something that God is not willing to give him? Is there something that Jesus would pray that for one reason or another will not come to pass? You and I, we pray with limited faith. Some of us, we pray with greater faith than others, but all of us have flaws in our faith. Jesus didn't have that. Jesus had perfect faith. Jesus had a perfect relationship with the Father. Whatever he said, whatever I, I ask you, I know you hear me. That's how he started his prayer. I know you're hearing me. See, Jesus had perfect faith. Whatever Jesus asked will come to pass. And you say, well, you know, what about free will? Because God's given us free will. And I'll say, yes, you're right. You don't have to be a part of it. But God's, what Jesus has prayed for will come to pass with or without us. And we look around us and we see all of these things happening and we see things that are beyond our control that are happening in the world today. And it's very obvious that things are happening with or without us. That things are moving, things are changing. So if Jesus prayed for the church to become one, it's going to happen. And you don't have to be a part of it, but it's going to happen anyway. How do I know that? Because what Satan intends to separate us we know will result in unity. Because as a general rule, whatever Satan designs against the body of Christ turns on him. And the opposite happens. For example, Satan thought that he would bring death on the cross. But what happened is resurrection life, not only for Jesus, but for every believer came as a result of it. 
Everything that the devil tries to do, God will turn it around for your good. So the devil's trying to destroy. Anytime that he does that, the devil, uh, God uses it to build. Anytime that the devil tries to divide, God uses it to bring unity. Everything that the devil tries to do, God turns it around and he does the opposite a million times over. Than the devil. The devil cannot win. You say, well, you know, we know that the devil's winning the battle, but we'll win the war. That's not true. The devil will never win a battle. He will never win anything. Everything that he tries to do will turn against him. Amen. And you say, well, this happened and this happened. Just wait. The battle's not over. If God is not on the throne in your battle, then it's not over. If God has not gotten the victory in your battle, it's not over. Every battle he will win. And yes, he'll win the war, but he'll win every battle too. This battle that's going on around you, you say, oh, you know, this is happening and this is happening and, and all of these things. Well, the battle's not over. Because at the end of this, God will turn it around and he will bring about the opposite of what the devil's trying to do. And it will blow up in the devil's face like it always does. That is the nature of being a part of the body of Christ and seeing him work. Um, so let's, uh, do you know, by the way, did you know that when the devil attacks the body of Christ, he's attacking the body of Christ. And we say the body of Christ and we know we're referring to the church, but it is literally the body of Christ. And we know that just like when he attacked the body of Christ physically on the cross, we know what happened there. And when he attacks the body of Christ, he's messing with the body of Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not you say, well, we're the church, you know, and we're just people. No, 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 no. He is messing with the body of Christ. And when he messes with the body of Christ, it will blow up in his face. And we'll, we'll watch that happen. Everybody hold on. You know, the world may fall apart, but the church will come together. Watch. All right, so... Um, let's see. Let's go to Ephesians 1, 9, and 10. We'll read this real quick. Paul said this. He said... Having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. And this is the plan. Everybody say, this is the plan. This is the plan. What's the plan? What's going on? Here it is. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. Now let's go to Romans eight eighteen, and let's read through verse 19. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Everybody say God's pleasure. Everybody say God's purpose. Let me tell you, God's pleasure and his purpose are both unity. It's his purpose to bring unity on the earth in, the, in, in the, his church, in his body. But it's also his pleasure. He's gonna get, he gets great satisfaction out of unity. He gets great pleasure when he sees the body of Christ coming together. And it's the last thing on God's bucket list. It says, y'all know what a bucket list is, right? It's like what you, you, what you need to do you know, before the end. Well, this is the last thing on God's bucket list is that... Uh, to, it says to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity in all things and under heaven and earth. So, his pleasure and his purpose. And creation 
in Romans, it said creation is sitting on the edge of its seat, as one, one version says, to see that happen and to see the body of Christ come about. You know, there's a... Uh, <clears throat> have y'all seen these billboards? Um, and they're great, and I'm not, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not talking negatively. I'm just saying there are billboards around that have the hashtag, pass it on. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's a little red block with white letters that says hashtag pass it on. Well, there's all these different things, you know, and one of them is unity. And there's a few different versions of it. And I, I got online and I was looking at the different versions of it and I was planning on using one of them, but here's what I found out uh, about these billboards is they all basically say the same thing. They say unity is a great idea. <laughs> And I'm not saying anything against it because here's the thing. Someone will see that billboard and they'll say, yeah, we need unity. And they'll try to figure out how to get it. And they'll come to Christ. So I'm not, I'm not dissing it at all because it is a wide net for people to come to Christ. When, when it says unity is a great idea, people say, yeah, but how do we do that? So I'm not, I'm not coming against it or anything. Uh, but the world in itself will never experience unity because they don't have the answer for unity. Unity, they know, they know we need unity. But the world does not have an answer for unity and the world itself outside of God will never experience unity. There will always be enmity. There will always be um, division. There will always be schisms in the world. Because here's the world's best answer so far to bring unity about. And it's this word tolerance. And I want to tell you that tolerance cannot bring Unity. Even if you could get the whole world to tolerate each other, that does not mean that they will move forward as one in unity. It just means that we're all going to get along. And you know, God does not want the church to just get along with each other. So it's just like when you were growing up and your mama said, you know what, you don't have to like your sister, but you do have to get along with her. That's exactly, that's precisely what this word tolerance is saying is, you don't have to like people, you just need to get along with them. You need to tolerate each other. And I want to tell you, it's not the answer. It's close. It's on the right track, but it's not the answer. Unity requires something deeper than tolerance. It requires a word, and I, I, it may be a while since we've heard this word, but I want to bring this word back out of the closet and dust it off, and, and it's that word honor. And it's a word that we've lost a lot in this day and age. Um, we, we're not allowed to call, call people sir and ma'am, and we're not... You know what I'm saying? It's like, a, it's like a, a thing where now... And I can't stop myself. I'm sorry if it offends you when I say yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. It doesn't matter what age you are or whatever. It's a habit that my parents, you know, put in me. And, and it's a thing called honor. I honor you. When I was a, the youth pastor, I cut all the, you know, it, it was a girl that was 14 years old, and I would say, yes, ma'am. I would call her ma'am. And it wasn't saying, you're older than me, and I respect you as an elder. It's saying, I honor you. You know what I'm saying? Honor is something that is missing in the world today. We don't call our pastors pastor. <laughs> we don't call our elders mister or brother. We, you know, we, we just, we, it's a first name world. And you know, I get that that's a millennial thing. But I, I want to, like I said, I want to bring this word out. Let's dust it off and have another look at it. Because I believe that honor is vital Amen. going forward in the world that we're in today. Um, people get honor and respect mixed up. 
I always did growing up. I, knew, I didn't really know the difference between the two. Uh, respect is something that has to be earned. So I look at you and I say, wow, you did that. I respect you for that. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Respect is something that, that you've done and I respect you because you did that. Or you're this way. Or you've, you know what I'm saying? It's always based on some kind of performance or something like that. But honor is given regardless. I don't have to respect you to honor you. I don't have to like you to honor you. I don't have to do, I don't have to, you don't have to qualify yourself for me to honor you. Do you understand? People get those two mixed up, but honor is given regardless. So, for example, as a teenager, I really wanted to be in the Air Force. When I was a senior in high school, I wanted to be in the Air Force so bad. One, and I, hey, there's two words that I'm going to give you that caused me to want to be in the Air Force. Two words. Top Gun. Two more words. Tom Cruise. I wanted to be in the Air Force and fly a fighter jet. I wanted to be that so bad. Here's what you don't know. Me and Tom Cruise are about the same height. So did you know I found out Tom Cruise could not be, uh, he does not meet the requirements to fly one of those things. He's too short, as am I. So I was, so my dreams were dashed. Uh, if I couldn't fly one of those things, I sure didn't want to do something else. I wasn't interested in, you know, scholarships and all those kind of things that the military gives you. I was just interested in flying those things. And, um, but I found out I couldn't. But there was, a, there was a thing that really drew me in. There was a word that they were using. It was on the t-shirts. It was on the, the commercials. And it was that word, honor. Honor. And it resonated in me, but I thought it meant this. I th- when I saw that, I was thinking, yeah, I want to get some honor. I want people to honor me. Yeah. So if I'm a soldier, people will honor me. If I fly one of those fighter jets, I'll get honor. But you know that what I was referring to was respect. But when they use the word honor... And I know a lot of you here, some of you here have been in the military. When they use the honor, it's not talking about earning honor for yourself. It's, it's about learning to honor. When you, hit the, 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 when you first hit uh, boot camp, you meet the drill sergeant. And they'll teach you something about how to honor people. And, it, and they're not going to give you honor. It's from the day one, it's about learning how to honor. So, respect is passive. Respect says this. It says, I respect your feelings. I respect the way you think about that. It's the same thing as tolerance. I respect this about you. I respect that about you. It's completely passive. But, God has not called us to be passively respectful of each other. It's a noble thing. I'll give you that. But it's not what God is calling us to. God has ordered us to shine with the life and the light of Christ. He's called us to come together as one body and do the work of the ministry together to flow as one in the Spirit. He's ordered us to come together in perfect unity. And can I tell you that if you cannot honor, especially going forward in this time, if you look around, if you cannot honor, it's tough, I know. I know there'll be a falling away. I know that people will hold, hold to their beliefs and their heritage and their upbringing and they'll hold to those things and they will never let them go and, they, and there will be a separation that will happen in the body of Christ. I, I realize that. It's biblical in the end times that that's going to happen. 
you can't honor, I'm telling you, there won't be a place in the body of Christ at some point for someone who cannot honor a fellow believer in the body of Christ. Everybody say, the cross makes us one. Let's go to uh, Ephesians 2. Uh, well, actually, um, do we have all those verses now? Let me just read it if we don't. It says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh, everybody say, in his flesh, the law and its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near, for through him we have both access to the Father by one spirit. Everybody say, one spirit. You know, there's multiple denominations. But there's only one spirit. There's multiple cultures. There are multiple races. There's multiple countries. There's multiple things going on. But there is one spirit. And when that one spirit leads a certain direction, we all follow. We are at the beckoning of one spirit. If you want to bring disunity and discord in the church, Jesus says this to you, over my dead body. Do you understand that? Do you understand that He went to the cross? The Bible says here in Ephesians that He went to the cross for the purpose of reconciliation. To bring us together as one that we would all have access to the Father by one Spirit. And so when we say, well, I'm not going to go to church with, with them. I'm not going to come in uh, alignment with them. I, and I, I have this opinion. I have that person. G- Jesus stops you right there and he just says, over my dead body. You cannot come to the cross with dishonor in your heart for any member of the body of Christ. Everybody say a whole body perspective. Let me explain that to you real quick. Let's, uh, can we bring um, that last slide up, Miss Tanya? It's, uh, once you see this image, diversity and uniformity are not the same. Jesus is not calling the church to everybody to look alike, act alike, pray alike, sing alike, like the same things. God takes great pleasure in our diversity. God takes great pleasure in the fact that we are different. Because for one person to think that in within me is everything that God needs is miss the boat. God is a very, has, has created a very diverse church. And He's not calling us to learn how to be the same. He's calling us to come together under one spirit as different, unique, diverse people and create the body of Christ. Um, Honor realizes that if somebody has 
a hundred noses, a hundred hands, a hundred pinky toes, whatever it is, that that's called a freak. If you have a hundred eyes, a hundred noses, but that's the way, that's the way we've designed church. We've designed one church for all the noses. We've designed another church or denomination for all of the ears. We've designed this. And we say, you know, okay, let me, let me put, do this. Jesus said that um, he's distributed diverse gifts among men in the church, among people in the church. And we know what those ministry gifts are. There's some ministry gifts that we don't use in the church anymore. And so the church is incomplete. If the office of the prophet, apostle, evangelist, pastor, teacher, if they are not at work within the church, the church is incomplete. And you say, well, some of those have passed away. Well, then you're just going to be in an incomplete church. Because those have not passed away, that is the church. And that's the, if you believe that, you probably also believe that there are certain cultures and races that aren't welcome in your church. Because God has created diversity. He's created a diverse church. And it's time for believers to stop bucking what God's trying to do. God is trying to bring His body together in these last times. The body of Christ is not a freak. The body of Christ is, is, is made up of parts as diverse as your own body. The ears honor the nose. Why? Because together they complete the face. The hands honor the feet because the hands, they can grasp, but they can't walk. The feet honor the hands because they can walk, but they can't grasp. We honor each other not because we're the same. We honor each other because we appreciate the contribution that you bring to the body of Christ. We are equal in the body of Christ because we all have functions in the body of Christ. And I don't want you to be like me. The same way I don't want my face to have two noses. We all need to appreciate that Jesus' body is, is intentionally diverse. You're going to have to get a whole body perspective before you can take your place in what God is doing. And we live in an era, I know, we live in an era when it's, it's, it's me and my little bubble. And, we, and everything that we sing, everything that we pray, and everything is, God, I need a, you know, what's your vision for my life? You know, how are you going to bless me? What are you going to do for me here? You know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that because God wants to take care of us as individuals, but our vision can't stop there. If our vision stops with just us, then we're not seeing the big picture that God, what God is doing. And we may miss it. See, God is calling us to expand our vision to include the whole body of Christ. And one of the most, one of the coolest things that Pastor has had me do is um, Pastor Yafet as well, and some of it, some other ones. But um, Pastor Yafet first, and then uh, then me. We, we've studied um, some personality things, and and the, the personality tests that y'all took. Some of y'all took some of those um, this uh, past year, and. Um, and study. There was this one um, one thing that I was I was doing um, called leading from your strengths, and it was all about how everybody can lead from their personality. They just have to surround themselves with people that are strong where they're weak, and you have to have confidence in who God has made you to be, and know 
that other people complete you. And I thought that was a brilliant concept at the time, but now I'm just like, oh, oh, that's the Bible. You know, <laughs> that's actually biblical. That's actually the body of Christ. Amen. See, that was one of the coolest things because I began to look at people who used to get on my nerves and say, oh, I see how you fit now. I see your purpose now. I didn't think you had a purpose before except just to annoy me. But now I see that you're actually this kind of personality and this is what you do in the body of Christ. I see that. And I, I learned to, I've learned to appreciate people with these diverse personalities and things like that. But it doesn't stop at personalities. It doesn't stop at spiritual gifts. It doesn't stop in different uh, cultures and backgrounds and things like that. It expands to all over the world. When, like I said, when we were in India, we just saw people worshiping. And, and y'all know, uh, people in India, they don't have Western musical uh, backgrounds. And so, um, they use half tones. And so, they're playing, it's just all hand drums. Just duka 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 and, uh, and singing half tones, it's like, uh, you know. And, uh, and it's just like, this doesn't sound like anything I've ever heard before. But people had their hands up, people on their faces. People were worshiping and, and crying. And I'm just like, I don't know what's going on here, but it's the same spirit. So, the body of Christ is diverse. Everybody say, Diverse. All right, so let's move on. All right. If you can't look at another race and see how they fit in the body of Christ, you have not come through the cross with it. You're bringing everything through your own feelings and your own opinions. That's dangerous. Everything's got to come through the cross. You know, I, I, uh, I came through the cross when I was young, younger, when I was a teenager. But then I got beyond the cross and I realized, oh, I didn't leave this back there. How many of you have that experience? You're like, you know, and we keep coming back to the cross. Oh, I forgot to leave this here. That seems to be the way we live. I don't know if that's biblical. That's probably like, you know, borderline sacrilege. I don't know. But I'm just saying that's the experience I have. And a lot of us right now, we're a part of the body of Christ and the Holy Spirit is right now revealing to you that there's something in your life that you have not left at the cross. That you didn't leave at the cross when you were saved. The cross says this. The cross says, you can crucify me, but I'm still going to save you. That's what the cross said. Jesus said, he, he, he died to save the ones who crucified him. That says, I've, uh, the cross says, I have a mission. And no matter what you do to me, it's not going to deter me from my mission. And my mission is to save you even though you crucify me. That's what the cross says. And if you can't look at any believer, any fellow believer, and have that thought, it has not come through the cross. The cross says... I prefer you. That's what the cross is echoing through eternity. I prefer you. And if you can't prefer someone else, then you need to take something back to the cross. So, we are so self-absorbed right now in this culture that we're in. And, you know... <laughs> I'm not going to rat on millennials. I, I'm, I'm barely not... A, well, I guess I'm a long shot from being a millennial. But, um, but I'm not a millennial, so every generation, you know, rags on the generation coming out. I know how that goes. You know, boomers ragged on the X's. You know, I know how this goes. But 
I see millennial, a lot of the millennial culture is, is very self-absorbed. And it's gotten more so, you know, as time goes on, you know. And, uh, and there's reasons for that and stuff like that. But I was raised in this uh, understanding. I heard people say this when I was a kid. So I know it started well before this last generation. And they would say, if Jesus, if you had been the only person on the face of the planet, Jesus would have died for you. Is that true? Yes. But is that the perspective I need to have? Probably not. And I'll tell you why. Because God would have never built a church on one person. Y'all ever had anybody introduce themselves to you as, hey, yes, uh, I'm, I'm Pastor Prophet Evangelist so-and-so, you know, or I'm a whatever, whatever. And, uh, I heard somebody say, that somebody introduced that to that, and they replied, Jesus? <laughs> you know, it's like we, we want everything to be within us. We want to house within us everything God needs. God, I worship you. This is all you need right here. And God is saying, no, I have an entire body that if you will get out of your bubble and start seeing what I'm doing and I'm assembling my body together, then you can be a part of what real worship is. Because real worship is when the body of Christ comes together and we offer worship as one in one spirit. If you think that within you is everything that God is looking for, then you miss the boat. I want to show you something real quick. Um, God showed me this. This is a, kind of a new revelation for me. And I want to show this to you in regards to this. And I, I think you could, probably, um, you could probably use this in just about any scenario. And God will reveal you, to you something out of it regarding that. But um, I don't have a cup up here, but I've got this bread. Um, at the Last Supper, when, when Jesus took communion... With his apostles, he said, did something a little bit different that I think we miss. You see, he brought out the bread and he held it up and he blessed it. And then he said, this is my body broken for you. And we say, yes, you were broken for me for, so I can be healed. And we take everything so, you know, it's just like, oh yeah, the, you know, yeah, your body, you, you're, you're broken on the cross for my healing. I understand, is that scriptural? Yes. But that's not what he was saying. He said, this is my body broken for you. And the Bible says, then he broke the bread and he distributed it among the apostles. He said, this is my body. And then he separated it. Took off a piece here and he gave it to John. He took off a piece here and he gave it to Matthew. He took off a piece here and he gave it to Judas. He took off a piece here and he gave it to someone else. And he, he went around and he distributed his body to the twelve apostles. And then he took the cup and he said, This is my blood which was shed for you. And he blessed it. And they all drank from the same cup. I want you to get the image real quick. I want you to think this through. He took his body. We are the body. Everybody say, we are the body. He took his body, symbolized by the bread. He broke it apart and he distributed it. And then he took the cup and he said, this is my blood. And everybody drank from the same cup. That is what he's doing 
right now in this age that we're living in. He said, look around you. I have distributed my body in different races, in different cultures, in different backgrounds, in different personalities, in different giftings. I have distributed it, but then I've given you the cup of my blood. And now everybody drink from the same cup. That is the most beautiful picture I think that the Holy Spirit has ever given me about about something. And so think about this. If you think, especially now, that the the new normal, and I, I'm telling you, we are we are we are doing what we need to do in this situation. I understand all of that. But if you think that it's okay for us to just sit at home and watch church on Facebook, then you aren't keen to what the devil's doing. See, the devil is wanting to separate. Will he win? No. But don't be ignorant to what the devil is doing. It's not okay for us to all be isolated from each other. If we have to stand six feet away from now on and try to yell through our mask without sounding all muffled and garbled because it's impossible to understand you guys behind your mask. I'm just saying. But if we have to do that from now on, we have to do it. We cannot isolate ourselves right now because God is about to do something great in the, in the area of unity. It, did you know if Satan can isolate a part of the body, he knows that separated from the body, that appendage will wither and die. He knows that. You've got to know that too. Okay. Whatever we have to do to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, we've got to do it. Um, and I want to, I want to, I want to kind of give you a new perspective on that scripture. It says, "Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, even more as you see the, the day approaching." I don't think that the word "assemble" there was used lightly. I want to give you a different perspective of it because I believe that it's more than just going to church. I believe that God is calling us to assemble together, not just come together in a service, but to actually assemble together as the body. I think that's what God is doing. So let's read that scripture again here in Ephesians uh, 1 verse 9 and 10. And let's, uh, let's bring something else out of that if we can. It says, Having made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure which He purposed in Himself. And this is the plan. At the right time He will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. Unity is to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. That's what that scripture says. As the times reach their fulfillment, what times reach their fulfillment? When it's coming close to Jesus coming back, that He wants to start bringing His body together. So all that are willing to be a part of the body of Christ, He's calling us to come together. I was raised a white country boy in Leola, Arkansas. 
y'all know the white part, but what you may not know is that I was raised uh, it deep, deep, deep in the country in Leola. Actually, seven miles outside of Leola, Arkansas. Um, do y'all know where Leola is? A few people? Okay, okay. Leola, if you didn't know, used to be a logging town. Uh, the main, then the center of Leola was a big log yard. I don't know if it's still open or not. If it's not, there's probably not a Leola anymore. But um, they added a gas station, I think. But that's where I was raised seven miles outside of Leola, Arkansas. It was 30 miles for us to go buy groceries every once a week. And we lived on a 13, 14-acre plot, something like that, in the middle of a large IP plantation. So I was very isolated. Now, I want to tell you something. I am not ashamed of my upbringing. There is nothing about the way I was brought up. My parents were godly people. There's nothing about that that I'm ashamed of or have to apologize for. I, my heritage, I am proud of how I was raised. I'm proud of where I was raised. I'm, I'm proud of everything about where I've come from. But can I tell you something? That if you tell me right now that to be a part of what God is doing in the earth today requires me to abandon my heritage... If you'll help me pile it up, I'll light the match and we'll burn it all down. Because the number one thing in my life is to be in unity with you. Because that's what God is doing. The number one in my life is being a part any way I can of what God is doing because there's nothing else. Guys, do you realize that there are going to be people that are going to stand before God's throne? And he's going to say, why weren't you a part of what I was doing? Well, you know, this is the way I was raised or whatever. I mean, what are you going to say? Come on. Nothing is going to hold. You're not even going to say it because it'll be embarrassing. Nothing will hold water in that moment. So, There's nothing in my life more critical than playing my part in what God is doing right now. Everything about my life is for the kingdom. Everything. I married my wife because God spoke to me that we were going to be married. And can I tell you something? If you think that there's any love deeper than the love that God puts together... You are, you're wrong. Because my wife and I, I know, have the best marriage. I, don't, I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't know about you, I don't, but I'm just saying, my wife and I have an incredible marriage, but I was not, I never even thought about her before that moment. I'm mean, just honest. I think my wife is the most beautiful thing on the planet. But in that, before that moment, I hadn't even thought about it. But I was sitting across from her at a, at a banquet, we were sitting across from each other, hardly ever talked. And I, I said something about, I don't know, we were just having a conversation. And then she said, I just don't want to get to the end of my life and realize that, you know, I could have done more for God, you know, whatever. And, and I remember her saying that. And then I remember just like, <laughs> you know, I just like blinders were taken off. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. You and I are going to get married, you know. I didn't say that. But I knew that she, I knew that she saw it too. Our, but we both looked at each other like, you're it. It's you. 
It was the weirdest thing. It was by far the weirdest and coolest thing that's ever happened or will happen in my life. And I knew that in that moment that God was putting us together. And it was not just to be happy. And it was not, will we be happy? Absolutely, a lot happier than a lot of people. I mean, we were just like extremely happy together. But God was putting us together for ministry, to be one. Why do you think that God puts a man and a woman together? To be one. Just to be one? No. Because two are better than one. He wants to put two people together so that you can accomplish more for the kingdom. So, my marriage is about the kingdom. We had kids, five of them, because we wanted to raise ministers. Because we wanted to raise kids that would go farther and do more than we ever could. And they will. Just like my parents, my parents to my grandparents, if you look back across your lineage, every, every generation in God goes farther than the one before. So, I, I raised, we wanted to raise ministers. I run a business now. My number one goal is to be able to give to the kingdom. That's my number one. We've got some, some, uh, some banners in our, in our office. And that's the number one on there. Provide for the kingdom. The reason Bensburg exists. Number one, to provide for the kingdom. So, there's, there's uh, let's see. <clears throat> Even play, playing guitar. I used to, as a kid, I, I got so much satisfaction out of playing guitar. How many of you, you've played guitar before and you've gotten so into it. it you, if you're not a musician, you may not understand this. You may think this is weird even. But... Play, every guitar player has gotten to that place. Chris, I know you understand. Um, every guitar player has gotten to the place where you kind of forget where you're at. You're like playing some seventh diminished something, you know, and, and arpeggio, and you're just like... And then, and then you're just like, you realize that drool has just like come out of your mouth and it's like building up on your guitar. And you didn't even realize it. You're just like so lost, you know, just like drooling on your guitar, you know. And when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, I just, I mean, playing guitar, it was just like, oh man, I just wanted to get home and just play my guitar, you know. But did you know today I don't even pick up my guitar unless it's to worship. I don't get any, you know, I, I love to learn and everything, but it's all about worship now. It's all about, you know, if, I, if I'm playing my guitar... It's to worship. If I'm writing a song, it's to Him. If I, even, even to the point of if I'm listening to music, if I'm watching a movie, if I'm having a conversation, there's, there's, a, there's, a, um, there's a lot of times that I will do those things and it is not honoring to God. I'll, I'll admit that. I'll watch a movie and they'll say something that they shouldn't have said and we'll keep watching it. But it never happens without the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It never happens without asking God to forgive me. Can I tell you that God is looking for people that the body of Christ is number one. That ministry that, that He's calling to and what He's doing in the earth becomes your number one priority. So, now is the time to be all in. Everybody say all in. All in. It's not time to have an opinion. It's not. Because here's the thing about uh, right now and what we're going through there are a lot of opinions and there are strong opinions and no matter here's the thing if I tell you the Holy Spirit told me this about this situation that we're going through you'll say well my opinion I mean you don't, you don't know how many times that's happened to me 
People lead with, well, my opinion on it is whatever. I'm like, dude, did I say anything about my opinion? I didn't. I said, you need to seek God and get the Holy Spirit's answer for this, for, for what's going on, because I'm just, I just told you that this is what I believe that the Holy Spirit is saying. The Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit is saying has to outweigh your opinion. It has to be louder than your opinion. All right, so. All right, so where are we? Okay. Everything about my life is for the kingdom. So for Judas, y'all remember Judas. For Judas, it was 30 pieces of silver. See, he walked with Jesus. And he knew that something big was about to go down. But somebody offered him some money. And that's what it was worth to him. So I want to ask you this morning, what is your role in the body of Christ worth to you? Is it worth your opinion? Is it worth your background? Is it worth your heritage? Is it worth what you think about it? Did you know that Jesus didn't plead with Judas? When Judas uh, decided in his heart what he was going to do, Jesus didn't plead with him. You know what he said to him? He said, what you do, do quickly. That's what he said. You know what that tells me? That tells me that only you are responsible for how you value your role in the body of Christ. Jesus is not going to endow you with some great, you know, value in your heart. Like, oh, Jesus, now I cherish you. You are responsible for how much you value your role in the kingdom. And i got to tell you guys, a lot of us have sold our role very short. Jesus isn't interested in a one-sided relationship. Jesus isn't interested in running after you all the time, but you value something else more than what He's asking of you. He said, what you do, do it quickly because there was no time for games right then. Do you understand that? They were coming up on the climax of eternity where B.C. turned to A.D. where every, everything was going to come to the apex of the cross. There was no time to play games. And Judas had decided in his heart what his role in this was going to be worth. So Jesus didn't play games with him. He said, this thing is going down. So whatever you're going to do, do it quickly. And Judas walked away. There's no time for games then. And as we get closer to the time when he comes back, there's no time for games now either. If you're going to get on board with what God is doing, everybody stand with me this, this, this morning. If you're going to be on board with what God is doing, we've got to lay down so many things. So many things. But that's okay. Because all it takes is a trip to the cross. All it takes 
is just allowing Him, His blood, to cleanse us. This morning, I'm going to ask with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus, Antioch, you've never asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, you've never, you've never um, been saved, I just want to ask you right now to come down to these altars and we're going to surround you and we're going to, we're going to lead you uh, to Christ here. So if that's you, I'm going to ask you to come down now. And you say, well, you know, I'm, 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 that's really, <laughs> that's really sudden and that's really, you know, um, uh, embarrassing or, you know, whatever it is. I really believe that it takes a stand. If that's you, I want to invite you to come down. In the same way, it takes a stand if you say, there are things that I'm holding on to that's keeping me from being in perfect unity with the body of Christ. It takes a stand. You can't just say, oh, I've changed my mind or whatever. No, you, you actually have to profess with, confess with your mouth. That's what the Bible says. So I want to ask you right now, if there's anything that you say, this has got to go back to the cross. I'm going to go back to the cross and I've got to go back through the cross because this cannot be in my life anymore going forward into what God is doing. In this. I'm going to ask you to come down to these altars as well. And today we're just going to bring all of these things. And, and by the way, I, I have things in my life that, is, that are still keeping me from being in perfect unity with the body of Christ. I'm just going to be very upfront and honest with you. I know what God is saying and I'm willing. And as the Holy Spirit puts His finger on things in my life, I say, yes, that too. Yes, that too. And right now the Holy Spirit is putting His finger on something in your life, on your heart, and you've got to say this morning, yes, that, that's got to go back to the cross. Yes, I want to be a part of what the Holy Spirit is doing. I want to be a part of what the body of Christ is doing. And I know that I've got to lay these things down. Did you know that I've, I've had to say things in the last few weeks that I know were right... And I knew that the Holy Spirit was saying, I had to say them, and I knew I was going to take flack for it. That's the first time that's happened to me. The first time that it's happened to me where I knew that people I deeply loved and cared about would disagree with me. I'm just going to be honest with you. I've never had to do that. But now I'm getting comfortable with it. Because now I don't really care anymore. All I care about is being right with God. How do I be right with God? Whatever He's doing, I'm there. Whatever He's doing, I'm all about it. Oh, I can't do, I can't be a part with this in my life? Fine. I'll get rid of that. Because all I want is to be a part of what He's doing. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you to come down to these altars. We're going to spend the last eight minutes just pursuing God. We're just going to spend the last eight minutes taking these things to the cross, laying these things at the cross, and just saying, God, have your way in me 100%. I don't want anything in my life that inhibits me from doing what you've called me to do. So if, you're, if that's you, I just want you to come to these altars right now as we worship. That's Jesus.